Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 2nd, 2009. For the newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and on the website you'll find lots of talks I've given in the past covering a wide variety of issues to do with the big control system that runs the world. And I try to give you the shortcuts to the understanding of it because it's so incredibly huge. And the world certainly is planned. The future is always planned. That's what um, people of vision call it, planning, world planning. Also look into alanwattsentinel.eu where you can find transcripts of these talks and you can download them. They're written in the various languages of Europe. Now, the last time I was on, I was talking about the CBC Canada the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation they used to call it the Communist Broadcasting Corporation because most of the employees were hardline communists and many of them actually came from Russia but that's a government station and it has, hasn't really changed it's very much like the BBC it takes its format from the BBC every Commonwealth country including Britain itself in its fact always has its, its own particular government owned television and radio stations so the CBC is owned by the government of Canada. It's a propaganda arm. But they have done quite a lot on the coming plagues, etc. And they have over the years done documentary specials. They have them in their archives. And someone has hunted up various links for me to find the audio from the radio archives and also some of the video from the video archives of the CBC. And there is a link for this I'll be putting up at the end of the show. They'll take you to all of these documentary specials. I think some of them going back to the 70s, some even before, uh, giving you the previous terror scares were given nationwide, in fact worldwide, on previous flu scares and how it was all hyped up. There's also some interesting facts come out because we've all heard of the Spanish flu and that's the one that is, has been not only rediscovered but recreated to be a killer, actually more potent than the first one. And it was a misnomer to call it the Spanish flu in the documentaries. And I'll put, I'll put this link up for you to look at after the show on my website. On the, they got into the Spanish flu. Spain was a neutral country in World War I. It was the only country, therefore, that wasn't afraid to publish the fact that there was a worldwide flu already on the go. But it was it started inside the United States and was spread across the world, across Europe, by U.S. troops being sent abroad. It's interesting because later on, when the swine flu, the so-called swine flu, came out, it struck in a military base in the U.S. as well. And we all know that once you go into the army, you get all these inoculations and so on. You don't know what you're getting, one after the other. And, and there's lots of documentation, and I've written about this myself, and I've, I've uh, quoted some authors, such as uh, the one that was written in Canada called Deadly Allies, with declassified information from the Canadian government, to do with the troops being used sometimes for various bacterial and viral warfare projects. So I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the one from 1918 was actually man-made at all. Personally, I wouldn't be, because they're always so far ahead in the sciences, way above what professors are taught at universities, way above. Whatever we get from Professor Down is old stuff to those at the top. When you're going through the CBC archives, to say you'll find lots of contradictions from experts 
telling you different things on the same subjects as to even the efficacy of inoculations, for instance. At one point, this expert was asked if, if a particular flu shot, should this avian flu come across, would the flu shot help? And, and she said, probably not. The reason being, it would take maybe two years to get an actual vaccine that would affect it. So there's all this doublespeak all through these documentaries or documentaries from the CBC in itself. And it really makes you wonder at that level, which is pretty low level, as I said, there's a much higher level of science. There's a level of science where they can put viruses together piece by piece to create specific types. It's, that's much higher than these lower experts that will be dealing with the public and pandemics. But the hype that we've had for years now on the coming plagues, the coming plagues, the coming plagues. I've got books from the 80s, early 80s, that were writing about the coming plagues. It was just a sure thing in these circles. But we've got to remember, too, that every specialist has to pump up his particular speciality to keep his job and make himself very important. It's no different if you went to Africa in the 1700s and you'd find different competing witch doctors, each one with their own particular uh, uh, cures and rituals and techniques and formulas for making the cures or dances or whatever it happened to be. It's the same thing in today's academia. They're all competing with each other for status and power. And we're in an age of crisis creation. The crisis creation agenda was on the go before 9-11 happened in 2001. They tried to get the, the, the national ID cards out in 1998 in Britain. They passed an omnibus crime bill, which is an anti-terrorism bill, in Canada about the same time. So crisis creation was already being pumped up by different areas of expertise. And also we had the big fake Y2K alarm that from the very beginning sounded impossible. The media itself created the hype. And people put big bucks into trying to ensure computers would keep going. Well, none of them fell behind. Nothing happened. Now, they knew this at the top. Nothing would happen. But it was this expectation of crisis coming. And plus, studying the public's reactions to coming crisis is all part of it. There is a good set of videos out there. I'll give the link to this as well. It goes through the psychology of controlling masses of people by a few who understand the sciences. And it's called The Age of Transitions. And it's from Information Liberation. It's called, I'll, I'll put the links up, and you can find all the other ones for yourself. But it's, got an, it's an excellent series to show you how big foundations, big powerful people, organizations, can set trends using techniques they understand that ripple across the world and affect every area of your life, right into your parliament or congressional buildings, into the minds of politicians, and they're then implemented into effect by law. It shows you how the techniques are used, all the way from Freud and before Freud even, onwards using psychology and behaviorism, etc. They understand how the masses of people tick. But it also goes into the big agenda, 
do with this big push. And you'll hear the phrases uttered by the famous people they give us in front of television over the years telling us that this big change, change is good. Long before Obama came along, this was going to be the century of change. Right into coupling us with computers, interfacing us with computers, transhumanist agenda, longevity, even immortality for some, etc. And, and they give you the big meetings where they talked about this, including one I've talked about at Loyola University. They talk about, they give you some of the, the, the pieces that were discussed at that particular meeting. And they have that meeting every year. That was a meeting where they said that they have the chip ready to go in the brains of people. They have powerful regional computers set up. All they have to do now is get the public to accept it. And they would do that through predictive programming by using novels and fiction primarily, movies, and even cartoons to make the youngsters think it would be a great thing to have. But it also goes into the real purpose because they said it would create a new societal structure. That's the important key to all of this because behind it all is the big eugenics organizations that set up the foundations that, that have funded all of these movements and have put science at the pinnacle of evolution. Of course, they still decide what evolution is going to be through science. And they've decided they want to reorganize the whole of society, get rid of the defective genes, meaning the defective people too, those who carry them, and have a programmed society, like a pyramid, all the way down to the bottom. But obviously in such a society, no one would be a useless eater. He'd all be programmed to do it essential tasks to serve those at the top. And remember what Charles Galton, Darwin, and others have said. The elite themselves will remain untouched. They must be wild, as wild as animals, to retain the survival mechanisms. Because they will be steering the ship of planet Earth. So look into this, this particular link I'll give you at the end of the show. The Age of Transitions from Information Liberation really good series on this with good factual documentation from the big boys themselves now getting back to the coming plagues that are supposed to terrify us as well terrified of everything these days aren't we that's what they live on the media is on a frenzy of terror and fear and they've got to keep this hype going all the time because otherwise we'll go back to grazing in the pasture and once the herd starts grazing we get kind of angsty about getting moved we don't like it so much and I said that back in 1998, I said, once they get the public stampeded, one change after another, with fear driving the whole thing, they can keep the herd going through massive changes, and we won't have time to catch our breath and rationalize and think or reason. We'll just gradually accept them as being normal as we rush into the next one. That's the technique that is being used scientifically on the people by those who know how to do it, and they are out there. They knew this back in Bernays' day, the guy who was a great mastermind for advertising. He was the one that got women smoking, got them drinking beer and so on. How to do it, he understood it all. He was writing books in the 1920s. When we look at the big say, organizations like the World Health Organization, you tie this together with another branch of the United Nations, which is NATO. And NATO, I've read this before, some parts of it at least they have a document out that's supposed to be available to every member of every NATO country via your post office or your public library 
good luck if you find it, because the Man Alive team in Britain had to send to the government for a copy, which they showed, and most of it was blacked out. But this is where they say that any contaminated area through, through disease, pandemic, and so on, or even radiation, is to be cordoned off. That's the only purpose the military has, not to feed you or help you, to stop you from moving from that area. If any individual tries to leave, they to be shot on sight. If whole groups try to leave, they to be bombed from the air with, I think, a CS gas or something. So this article I'm going to read now ties in with that because it's to do with the World Health Organization. This one is from Ireland, but it's the same in the world over. They're all in it together because we're all global, you see. And it's from the Wise Up Journal. And that's the 2nd of the 1st, 2009, by Gabriel O'Hara. Horror emergency laws set to kill. It says the majority of this article is made up from an absolutely horrifying section of the National Medical Bill. Horrors that you've not heard about in 70 years are actually written down and they're legal. Everything in this article is a link to the official bill. The section in question of the medical bill springs from the World Health Organization's standards and recommendations. Most countries are likely to have the same bills but because most follow the World Health Organization's lead. However, in some countries, these emergency plans cannot be seen even by Homeland Security. So this Irish medical bill could be a window into what other governments are also prepared to do. It's true they're not telling all the Americans what they're going to be faced with. But this is the same one that's running your country. It says these specific emergency measures can legally be carried out without the so-called emergency even happening in your country. All that's required is a simple alert from unelected people at the World Health Organization. As we will see, these psychotic government actions to a so-called imminent emergency will actually do more damage than if the emergency actually hits. We'll come to the medical bill in a moment, but first we look at this 2008 pamphlet from the government that states a worldwide pandemic would be caused by a new influenza strain. And they're pretty confident when they state that there will be more pandemics. It also lets us know who is in control of kicking off the alerts and actions when it says you will be advised to begin these preparations if and when the World Health Organization confirms that a pandemic is imminent. The Department of Health and Children's National Pandemic Influenza Plan, so they have one for children too, shows the World Health Organization puts our global society currently at phase three of a phase six global pandemic. That's where they have us all right now reading the documentation on how they're going to handle these pandemics, but it all comes from the World Health Organization of the United Nations. It says here, we use six phases of a pandemic alert as a system for informing the world by seriousness of the threat. Phase three, human infections with a new subtype. We are now in phase three. That was back in January 2007. The power to alert or get nations implementing World Health and Organization's or their actions is further consolidated into the hands of one person, the current Director General, which is uh, Margaret Chan. And the pandemic plan says the designation of alert phases, including decisions on when to move from one phase to another, is made by the Director General of the World Health Organization. The transition between phases may be rapid and some phases may be skipped altogether. Now it's interesting, this is to do with a flu. They're just absolutely certain 
that's going to mutate into something similar to or maybe identical to the so-called, again, misnamed Spanish flu from 1918. Now that they know what three genes to, to put in it, I read that in the last time I was on, you can put the, the, the right three genes in and make it a killer virus, you see. And they've been very successful at that. So no doubt they're going to release this down the roads after they've weaponized it even more to be more lethal, I'm sure. And they're getting everyone ready for this. And it's been managed through the World Health Organization. This National Pandemic Influenza Plan also lists the following. A number of legal issues may arise from the public health management of pandemic influenza. The World Health Organization has identified and categorized non-pharmaceutical public health interventions as follows. Measures to increase social distance. Measures for people emitting or entering or exiting an infecting area within a country. So they may lock you down within the country. Section 31 that the Health Act gives power to the Minister to make regulations to prevent the spread of an infectious disease and to treat people suffering from infectious disease. The regulations envisaged by the Act include requirements for adults and children to stay in their homes. Well, that, that ties in with the NATO one, that's what you're told to do. You don't move. If you do, you're shot. Requirements for adults and children to submit to examination, vaccination and immunization. It then lists suspension of travel suspension of other gatherings and finally list possible security issues as a wide scope power given to them. Let's look at part four of the Health Act which deals with infectious diseases and see how governments will treat us when the World Health Organization gives the okay. Let's look at how the law will make all our rights evaporate what we've probably got left. I don't know how much left anyway. When we need them the most. And then there's a link here to, to one of the statute books. Section 38 contains a purposeful loophole to detain anyone. It legalizes the detention of, if by force if necessary, people who are not identified as infected, but are a probable source. So you're, you're probably not infected, but you're a probable source. Meaning you came from that area, you've been through that area. The name of Section 38 is Detention and Isolation of Persons Who is a Possible Source of Infection. And it states the following, force may, if necessary, be used for the purpose of carrying out any provision of this subsection. So you'll be detained by force. Part 2 of Section 38 redefines the word person into patient. And this is very clever. So, so you have different rights as a person than you do as a patient. So under this section, they can now call you a patient. Where an order is made under this section in relation to a person in this subsection referred to as the patient... The following provision shall have effect. This makes it legal for the government to imprison people known not to be infected and label them as patients. Part K of Section 38 tries to pretend that a person or a, or a parent of a detained child can make an appeal to be released, but it's entirely up to the decision of the minister, and this nice-sounding part actually allows the legal interpretation for people to be detained for whatever amount of time the state demands. The key part of the word, or, or the word is, or part K is determination. They can determine, uh, which has a couple of definitions in the dictionary, one being settlement of a dispute. So it could take them years to settle a dispute if they want to. Part K states, if no determination of an appeal under paragraph H of this subsection is made by the minister and communicated to the person in charge of such hospital or other place within 21 clear days from receipt by the minister of such an appeal, such person 
termination decision is made by the Minister for the status quo, then the men, women and children detained will not be released. It also makes it legal for government officers to detain people even if the Minister has not made any decision because it says if the government officer, the person in charge of the hospital or other place is not told that the Minister has not made a decision, even though there is an appeal, the officer does not have to release the, the person. This is a bureaucratic nightmare, so you know what's going to happen. No one's going to get released. And that's obvious from even reading this part here. I, I imagine reading all this when the, the thing was actually going on. It'd be all hype and, and neurosis everywhere. The Health Act gives the power of relocating people or persons to governments or to facilities or camps or accommodation of other kind. Section of Health Act, for, Section 40. A health authority may provide accommodation for persons who are compelled to leave their homes on account of any steps taken under this Act or the regulations made thereunder for the prevention of the spread of infectious disease. It's the government the right to detain people in government facilities, not just hospitals, with the following line. And I'll read the rest of this after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and I'm reading from an article, The Wise Up Journal, which deals mainly with Ireland's set-up agenda for dealing with pandemics, but it's from the World Health Organization, which means that it's the same in every other country. But in some countries like the United States, they're not telling the public what the plans are. But I know for a fact from talking to different people in hospitals in the U.S. who work there, who have been recruited, by the way, by Homeland Security. They work now for Homeland Security. And they're supposed to go around injecting people forcibly with the military if it breaks out in areas down there in the cities and so on. But to continue with this article here, this is Health Act Section 32A and B below deal with the entire population, not just infected and uninfected population, incarcerated in hospitals and other places. See, other places are camps. It gives the minister power to order the injection of the entire population, quote, all adult persons and all children with a vaccine they believe might immunize against a pandemic caused by a new influenza strain. You're probably thinking, how could they create a vaccine so fast? Doesn't it take years to prove it's safe. They're prepared to alter the entire population's immune system and their DNA with what thought would be officially an untested experimental vaccine. And are you prepared for that? It's now the law. And that's true when the SARS that came, there was more hype in Toronto when it happened. And what, what was really interesting me, I wonder how much of this was a big test and propaganda exercise because for the first time we saw the experts come out in their white coats and tell us all these horrific things and scary stuff. But meanwhile, they had not closed down or stopped the aircraft coming in from the countries that supposedly it was coming from. And a few people were killed, much lower than people who would die in a regular uh, annual yearly flu. So there's a lot of hype and so on but I'm sure there's a lot of experimentation going on and studying off the public and getting us used to it coming big time but surely they should have stopped them coming in all passengers coming in from those areas and once again the government used all the money uh, to buy all these machines and gizmos to detect by a person's body heat as they walked off the planes if they might be carrying an infection which is utter, utter tripe and nonsense because every infection has a prodromal period where as it's working in your body 
it doesn't show any symptoms yet. It doesn't show any raising temperature either. So these machines are useless. But the government's bought them anyway. To continue with this article, though, it says, Health Act, Section 32, the minister may by order declare that it is necessary for the purpose of preventing the spread of a particular infectious disease that all adult persons should submit themselves to be to a specified measure in relation to their protection or immunization against such infectious diseases. The minister may be by order declare that it is necessary for the purpose of preventing the spread of a particular infectious disease that all children should be submitted to a specified measure in relation to their protection or immunization against that infectious disease. I love how bureaucrats write their stuff. It's just it's no wonder there's a chaos when you actually need to know what to do. It says, going back to the little public pamphlet, that looks like it was designed for children. It mentions eight possible emergencies. All the other emergencies beside a pandemic are played down. Even a nuclear incident at Sellafield is nothing to worry about, according to the pamphlet. As it says, any radioactivity from an incident would be diluted before reaching Ireland. For further emergencies, they use the words of possibilities like, in the event of such an incident, you may be asked, but with a pandemic which is allocated more pages, they have definite statements such as there will be more pandemics if and when every household in the country will receive a leaflet before the pandemic reaches their area. Follow advice from the telephone hotline that we've set up from official government's uh, positions and announcements and given announcements from the governments to the media, etc. In other words, they're all waiting for it coming and we're supposed to sit and wait for their instructions to get us all hyped up and terrified. This is months after this pamphlet was released, the Irish government performed for the first ever time test announcements all over the media, as the Irish Times reported in December 2008. The state's radio and television airways fell silent for the first time early this morning as part of a government exercise on giving urgent messages to the nation. It's astounding, as I say, how they're getting everyone hyped up in this age of crisis creation for something that they're just absolutely certain is going to happen. Now, now that they've recreated the, the killer flu, they've recreated it, and I gave the, the documentation on that last week. Now that they've done that, it fits in just nicely with what they see coming. Now remember, behind all of these big movements, the big changes that have to come for this century, this is a century of change, they keep telling us. It's a century where they will fix all the wrongs in nature, meaning man himself. Meaning, if you have anything at all in you, such as uh, the potential to pass on a, a, to a, a child uh, asthma through your genes, or something like that, then possibly you won't simply breed, because you don't want that gene passing on into the next bunch that's coming up. It's a time for depopulation, where only the fit survive, the fit come through, and the intellectuals come through. They decide they don't need all the manual labor anymore, because... Science and robotics and cybernetics is going to save them all at the top. You see, this all ties together rather well. So one great way to bring down the population, obviously, is through pandemics, because pandemics won't simply hit you and then be, die down and be gone. They'll crop up every couple of years, maybe for 10, maybe for 20 years. By that time, the population will be vastly reduced. Now, I'm certain there'll be absolutely real vaccinations against these diseases. In fact, if you go into the bacterial warfare agreements at the United Nations, it's 
states in there that during every process of the alteration of virus or, or bacterium to upgrade to the next stage, they must have an antidote that works for every single stage. They must have a real vaccine. But that the public are not supposed to know that. They have to be given the stuff at the bottom that we're told comes from chickens with maybe some human fetus tissue or blood or albumin thrown in as well. This concoction at the bottom. And we don't even have the ability to test that. Who has the facilities to test that? The doctors themselves don't have the facilities to check that. Everything in that vaccine is taken on blind, pure faith. That's the kind of society we're living in. It's incredible, absolutely incredible what's happening. But these boys mean business. There's a massive organization interconnected with a thousand parts to it, a thousand points of light, well-financed, well-funded, who've already drawn up the future. And, and they've, they've already drawn up the future that will exist after we've all gone. They've already drawn up the future right down to the, to the time period, I'm sure, when we'll all start to go. I mean, faster than we are already. And we're going pretty fast now. It's just amazing what's truly going on. People who are traveling across the world tell me all the time about all the chemtrails all over the major cities. From here, all across Europe, the major cities, that's where most of the spraying is going on. Right across Europe, right across into the Middle East, and I'm getting reports from this all the time from flyers. And they do report, some of them, that there's an amazing lethargy and apathy in the people below in the cities when they land and, and meet them. So these chems, these chemtrails that include all the different metallic particles, I'm sure, have other chemicals in them which are basically dumbing down and drugging the general public. And no one, whether it's just the CBC, or the BBC, or any other of these big government agencies for propaganda will ever mention the chemtrails. Even though, on the news scenes, they'll show you the parliament in Canada with chemtrails above it. They won't mention the trails. That's astounding. And what we're doing here is giving you the facts on those things we do know about. Do you realize how much we have no idea about of the higher sciences that are at use right now? I'll go to the callers now, and we've got Amber from British Columbia. Are you there, Amber? Yes, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm hanging in here. Yeah, me too. Just uh, before my question, I wanted to just mention something about uh, Star Trek. Yes. I've been watching the original. Um, I don't have cable, but every once in a while I'll just download something and watch it. And uh, I heard you talk about it, and I always got a kick out of the original one, so I thought I'd watch them again and see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, I noticed that every time there's food, every time yeah. you can eat um, or there's food, it's always just vegetables. That's right. And fruit. Except <laughs> and for the like... Klingons. The Klingons like some uh, sort of protein-manufactured things, of, like worms. They moved because they were clinging on to the past, the old warrior types. That's what that meant, the Klingons. Oh, yeah. But everyone else, you're right. Yeah, they're all vegetarians. Yeah. yeah. And it's like bright green and bright blue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Could that be the genetically modified stuff? Oh, no doubt. It's totally yeah. synthetic as well on the, on the Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. That whole series was predictive programming, though, because, as I say, they gave you a setting to do with the world, but they put the setting in space because it was about multiculturalism 
uh, all the different aliens they'd meet and all the, the, the worlds, which are just countries, would come in under this big UN agenda. Uh, that's really what it was showing you, is that it was the future and the, the types that all joined uh, for, for international or interstellar space trade, free trade, that were the good guys. But anyone who said, no, we don't want to join you, were always portrayed as bad and evil and primitive. Right, the United Federation of Planets. That's right. That's what that is, right? Yeah, and in yeah, one of the shows, too, they also showed you uh, a planet where, where no one died. It conquered the death. And so the whole idea was to get Kirk in there so he could infect one of them who were so bored of living forever with a disease. And, so, and they showed you all these people crowding outside the Star Trek, just millions of faces pressing in with overpopulation. So you're getting all these messages from fiction that yeah. now affect us today because that's what the programming was for, our, our own age group growing up to where we are today. Yeah. yeah, pretty much every episode I watch, I'm like, I totally know what you're talking about with the producer yeah. programming because I can relate it to what's really happening. <laughs> it is, and, and the Red Berry, uh, you know, Gene Roddenberry, um, he was a member of NASA. He was. Yes, mm. and, uh, and of course he was getting the stuff from NASA who helped plan the scientific future they're going to bring in, and he was told to go home and write stories around them, and that's how he could put that into his episodes. Really? So was it just his, completely his imagination? No, not never. These guys no. have no better imaginations than anyone else. They're always given. Uh, same with the sci-fi writers. They all uh, belong to the Futurist uh, Association. And the big foundations, they will fund you to write stories around particular topics and make them sound interesting. But they'll tell you the main details to write around. So they'll, they'll have meetings and, and stuff, and then they'll just draw their material from that? Yes. Wow, unbelievable. Well, um, my question actually was about recycling. I thought I heard one of your callers in passing say something about it being a scam. Is mm -hmm. recycling a scam too? Or should we be recycling? <clears throat> it is a scam, generally it's a scam. Part of it, again, was meant to, to, for propaganda purposes to scare us into a world of lesser resources. That was part of it. Mm -hmm. But the other part, too, apart from the, the financial scam, I mean, here they have trained the, trained the world's population fairly well to, to collect cans and bottles and all the rest of it, package them in separate boxes, and, and, and through their tax money as well, well, apart from paying it to be taken to the garbage, and then through your tax money, you fund up the, the, the companies that will use this stuff and recycle it so they can make stuff for free and sell it all back to you. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Right. one of these companies. So there's a lot of handshaking goes on and nudge, nudge, wink, winks with old masons and so on, getting all this stuff for free and training and, and getting the public to pay for the transportation of all this stuff to them. I mean, that's a brilliant business to be in. Yeah. Right. And, and then we, we have uh, the professor in Japan, and I read his article who said it was all nonsense, and he went through the reasons why it was all nonsense. Really? Mm -hmm. what, what was his name? Oh, it's on my website uh, from about a month ago. If you go back, you'll find uh, an article I read from. Uh, and uh, he, he explained his argument very, very well and he just defined it was a complete scam. Yeah. Okay, I'll find it. Mm -hmm. thank, yeah. you. thank you so much. Uh, thank you for calling. Okay, bye. Bye now. And here's another thing too. See, we live in, in cons. There's always a big con going on about everything. 
that we simply take for granted because we don't, most folk don't reason through any information, they just hear it. If it's said over and over and over again, they're inclined to believe it. And if they're all believing this at the same time, gradually believing at the same time, it comes into their general conversation. They don't know from where it comes. And they're, they're adopting all this stuff as pure propaganda. But those who put out this scientific indoctrination understand the masses. And I've got to admit, it works incredibly well. The marketing companies understand the mass behavior of humans, male and female, and all age groups too. And that's what they use to program us via the media. Remember what I said last week, there's no law anywhere that says the news media, any news media has to tell the public the truth on anything. That's not the revelation. There's no law. Because they're private companies in business. They're for, they're for business. And no law has been written to say they must tell you the truth. There are laws written that say in times of crisis that they will, they will tell the public what they're told to tell the public by the security organizations of that country. But there's no law to say that they must ever tell you the truth. Here's an article from Belfast here, Belfast Telegraph. This is the environment. Environmental Minister Sammy Wilson, I still think man-made climate change is a con. Reading an article from the Belfast Telegraph. And it's about a, a member of parliament who's come out and he said a few times, in fact, climate change is a con. Wednesday, December 31st, 2008. So spending billions in trying to reduce carbon emissions is one giant con that is depriving third world countries of vital funds to tackle famine, HIV, and other diseases, Sammy Wilson said. He's been heavily criticized by environmentalists for claiming that ongoing climatic shifts are down to nature and not humankind. But while acknowledging his views on the global warming may not be popular, the East Antrim MP said he was not prepared to be bullied by eco-fundamentalists. Good term, because that's what they are. I mean, it's amazing how many people are out there just waiting for a god to come along that they can follow. Like Mr. Rockefeller or whoever else is at the top there. They're just waiting for someone to follow. Because there's some angst in them and they want something to take it out on. You see? And there's no end to these fanatical fundamentalists. He says, I'll not be stopped saying what I believe needs to be said about climate change, he said. Most of the people who shout about climate change have not read one article about it. I think in 20 years' time we'll look back at this whole climate change debate and ask ourselves how on earth we were ever conned into spending the billions of pounds which are going into this without any kind of rigorous examination of the background, the science, the implications of it all. Because there's now a degree of hysteria about it. He's absolutely right that they've drummed up hysteria about it on purpose, mind you. It's fairly uniform hysteria, I've got to say as well. So he knows it's organized and it's directed. I mean, I get it in the assembly all the time. And most of the people who shout about climate change have not read one article about climate change, not read one book about climate change. And if you ask them to explain how they believe there's a connection between CO2 emissions and the effects which they claim there's going to be. If you ask them to explain the thought required or process or the modeling that is required and the assumptions behind that and how tenuous all the connections are, they wouldn't have a clue. And it's true. They haven't a clue. If you ask, really go into with them, they have nothing to fight back with except anger and hate. Because they're on the fringe. That's why they recruit the nutcases on the fringe. 
to go into all of these big movements. They've done it before with other big movements. It works very well. He says they simply get letters about it from all these lobby groups. It's true they send them out to all the fanatics, you see. It's popular, and therefore they, they go along with the flow. And that would be okay if there were no implications for it, but the implications are immense. He said, well, people in the Western world were facing spiraling fuel bills as a result of efforts to cut CO2. Implications in poorer countries were even graver. Well, they want to kill off the public in the poorer countries as well, remember. What are the problems that face us either locally and internationally? Are those not the kinds of things we should be concentrating on, he asked. HIV, lack of clean water, which kills millions of people in third world countries, lack of education. A fraction of the money we are currently spending on climate change could actually eradicate those three problems alone, a fraction of it. I think as a society we sometimes need to get some of these things in perspective. And when I listen to some of the rubbish that is spoken by some of my colleagues in the assembly, it amuses me at times and at other times it angers me. And it's true. There's nothing worse than hearing somebody guff off about their religion, some real fanatic. And that is what this all is, you see, for the brainwashed fanatics. That's what we hear. Oh, the music's coming in. That's the end of the show for tonight. So, from Hamish myself, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods, go with you.